I think it's exactly the right thing to be doing right now. And actually, this type of event's born out of the situation we're, we're in. We couldn't have done this event a year ago. We wouldn't have connected online in the same way. We wouldn't have been all used to talking online and presenting online. We wouldn't have got speakers to commit to an event like this. We wouldn't, how would we have known what venue to do it in? You know, it, actually the whole concept works perfectly for this moment. And I've been thinking about kindness and the impact it has for a few years now and writing about it and talking about it. And I just thought, do you know what? This is the theme of the moment. This is the thing we need to overcome the kind of divisions we're facing, the hate that we see, the distress that people are experiencing, the difficult challenges that people are trying to overcome, the toxic politics, mm. the mental health crisis, you know, somehow, if you look at all these issues, kindness can play a really powerful part in addressing them. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018 in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Susie Hills is joint CEO and co-founder of management consultancy, Halpin Partnership. Described as an insightful consultant and a big thinker, Susie is a very talented fundraiser and advises higher education institutions in this capacity. Susie was chosen as one of 2019's Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights by the Women of the Future programme showcased in the Financial Times and supported by Unilever. The awards recognise the contribution of kind leaders to business, the economy and society. Susie is also the founder of the brand spanking new virtual kindness event, KindFest, being held on World Kindness Day this year, the 13th of November. The event provides a platform for a star-studded lineup of speakers all coming together to share their collective wisdom, energy and ideas about how kindness can create a more hopeful and resilient world. I grew up in Devon and my mum's a teacher, was a teacher and my dad had his own business and then he worked in the university at Exeter. My mum worked with lots of kids, their school was kind of giving up on them and going to kind of, they were going to get chucked out in some way and she used to turn them around and work her magic on them. And yeah, I went to local primary school, state comprehensive school, but yeah, just spent a lot of time on the beach, which is a, a nice way to grow up. Yeah, I'm from North Devon, so obviously Exeter's, oh, okay. Exeter's south, but um, I was born in Barnstable. Obviously, it's not yeah, about me, this okay. podcast, but just to let you know. <laughs> there we <laughs> go, yeah. What, what were you like as a student? Were you particularly diligent, hardworking, nosing books, or were you off running around, enjoying, enjoying life um, generally? I, I always trod this fine line of doing enough to get the grades, 
I was probably one of those annoying people enough to get the grades, but also would bunk off the odd lesson and go for a smoke behind the uh, gym <laughs> thing. So I was kind of one of those hybrids. <laughs> good, and, but not good. And did you go to uni? Which yeah, uni did you I go did. To? I went to Durham, which was a bit of a shock to the system because I hadn't really met people from who were privately educated before. And Durham right. was full of very confident people who had had extraordinary um, opportunities, very well read. So for a year, I didn't really speak in any tutorials or anything through oh, really? fear of being, yeah, I was kind of terrified of saying something stupid. And then I realized actually I probably was all right. And I could. <laughs> Durham's quite far away from Devon. Was that the intention or were yeah, you like yeah, a bit of yeah. life drew, experience? Yeah, I drew a line above on the map and thought, at what point will my parents not come and see me? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was probably about Manchester. I thought it would diminish the, which is horrible, isn't it? But I, I, I needed to leave Devon. I did the same. <laughs> I went to Leeds. Oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway. Ran away. Well, yeah, quite. It sounds like it. So what was your first job out of education, out of university? Did you go into something straight away? Did you do some training? What was the first kind of opportunity? So I... I I, my very first job was with Devon Wildlife Trust and I was a community fundraiser and I did extraordinary things like abseil down buildings dressed as a badger um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, all sorts of things like that. And then I moved to London and worked for ActionAid um, as a fundraiser, which was fantastic. So yeah, in the charity sector to begin with. Fundraising is quite a hard vocation isn't it because I've dabbled in it a little bit and but you mm. kind of have to it's not it's not easy because you are approaching people to part with their money which is never mm. an easy thing to do did you enjoy it I mean you clearly you're quite good at it if you went into another consecutive role afterwards yeah I mean most of my careers involved fundraising um I don't I'm not afraid of asking for money because it's not for me hmm. I think and I think it's about telling stories really and engaging with people and listening to people. And you're a good fundraiser if you listen really, really well rather than sell. So I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I, a lot of people are afraid. It's, I think it's up there, isn't it? Like the people would actually rather die than ask for money or something when they're surveyed. It's like they're yeah. more public speaking and asking for money are the two things that people are just terrified of. I think it's also this association of being, I think we're all familiar with being approached in the street by people and then you always try and avoid eye contact, head down, don't want to do it. But actually, if you have the choice, like I would willingly give to an awful lot, you know, I, and I do give to a lot of charities, but it's, it's a hard kind of, I don't know if there's like a mentality or a psychology, there probably is mm. a psychology behind it. But how did it lead uh, you into what you're doing now? Was it like a straight path there or? Well, I ended up specialising in fundraising with high net worth individuals. So asking for really big gifts and working mm. with them on their philanthropy, which is a much more long term relationship building. And I ended up doing that at Exeter University and from then went into consultancy on fundraising, but also management consultancy because I just got to know higher education pretty well. So nearly all my work is with higher education now with universities. But yeah, people on the street asking you for money end of fundraising is really hard and it probably has had its day and chasing after lots of small gifts from people who really can't afford them at the moment is not the sort of fundraising that is easy to do or that I do. 
I enjoy working with people who have a lot of money and ought to give it some away. <laughs> I enjoy giving it away and helping them to kind of do things that are transformational. So um, yeah, that's the, that's the bit that I tend to do. Is there a standout moment or a person in particular that you would say helped mould your interests and has helped you develop within this space? Um, well, my business is named after somebody that I got to know called Les Halpin, and he was a serial entrepreneur and statistician, an extraordinarily bright person and a philanthropist. And I worked with him on what he wanted to do with his philanthropy. And then he was diagnosed with motor neurone disease um, and died. And I, during his last sort of year, worked with him on what he wanted his legacy to be. So I'm a trustee of the Help and Trust, which gives out some of his wealth. And also I then named up the business after him because I thought what better recognition I could give to somebody than to name something and do it in the spirit that they'd done it. So, you know, he, he liked problems, solving problems, helping people to perform better, helping businesses to perform better. And he was a great philanthropist. So yeah, probably I'd have to say Les. It sounds like a huge inspiration for you as mm. well, right? Behind what you're doing now, which leads us on nicely to, <laughs> you were named on Unilever's Kindness and Leadership 50 Leading Lights in 2019. And this year, you came up with a bonkers but brilliant idea called Kindfest. Do you want to tell us yeah. some more about what that is? Yeah, never, never spend two hours in an NHS waiting room because you come <laughs> up with crazy ideas. So, um, I was literally sat for a couple of hours waiting and I thought, what can I do? Life is, life is pretty shit for a lot of people, excuse my language right now. You know, there's a lot of tough stuff going on. And what resources have I got? What do I know? What could I do? And I texted a few people and I went, ah, maybe we could do a festival online. And luckily, or unluckily, I don't know, we'll wait and see. They didn't go, what a stupid idea. They went, oh, yeah. And then I found a few more people and said, do you fancy doing this? In fact, I think I asked you, and you, would you like to just read a story? And, and then it turned into not, not reading a story, but like curating a whole tent of content. So I, I kind of ferociously networked, which I love to do. And I've got quite, quite a lot of connections um, online. And I just found brilliant people who were up for it. And I think it's exactly the right thing to be doing right now. And actually, this type of event's born out of the situation we're, we're in. We couldn't have done this event a year ago. We wouldn't have connected online in the same way. We wouldn't have been all used to talking online and presenting online. We wouldn't have got speakers to commit to an event like this. We wouldn't, how would we have known what venue to do it in? You know, it, actually, the whole concept works perfectly for this moment. And I've been thinking about kindness and the impact it has for a few years now and writing about it and talking about it. And I just thought, do you know what? This is the theme of the moment. This is the thing we need to overcome the kind of divisions we're facing, the hate that we see, the distress that people are experiencing, the difficult challenges that people are trying to overcome, the toxic politics, mm. the mental health crisis, you know, somehow if you look at all these issues, kindness can play a really powerful part in addressing them. So let's bring a bunch of extraordinary people together, <laughs> stick it online and see 
if some magic will happen. <laughs> so it's on World Kindness Day, which is Friday the 13th. Hopefully that won't mm. put a on anything. But between 2pm and 7pm, there mm-hmm. are five tents. I've had the yep. honour of looking after one of them, which is the younger tent. And I think like you were saying, I was genuinely surprised. I, I was approaching the highest profile people that I knew or in my contact book. So Jess Phillips, Cherie Blair, people that, you know, Kathy Newman, the TV reporter, Bryony Gordon, mental health, Matt Johnson from mental health. And I was fully expecting them just to be like, yeah, bugger off. Don't mind <laughs> it. But the warmth and the welcome, yeah. and they were almost falling over themselves. I've never had such quick responses. Normally I'd you know, mm. expect to chase it up a few times. But like you said, there seems like there is at the moment this general sentiment that everybody wants to do something positive mm. and to give some warmth and some love. Yeah. And it's quite, and as much as your time is precious, everybody's time is precious. They've all seemed quite yeah. forthcoming in that respect. Has, have you been pleasant? Yeah, I think too? it's amazing if you, you know, look at the program and all sorts of people, you know, from people, what there's been a joy is I found people who are doing extraordinary things in their own communities who spontaneously created their own campaigns around kindness, kindness cafes, do me a favor, buddy, all sorts of, all, you know, groups that are formed and just because they want to do something positive. And that's been a great privilege to learn about all the work they're doing. And if in some way, the festival can showcase that encourage other people to enact whatever's right for them making their workplace kinder making their community kinder kinder leads i didn't know there's a whole group of people who created a campaign around making their city kinder how amazing is that and mm. then like you say really well-known people who just went yeah totally over the moon today so uh, you know some people this isn't their thing but billy bragg who's ah, one of my childhood amazing. um heroes i've been emailing his agent saying can he sing the milkman of human kindness and today they went yeah we're really sorry it's taken a while but he's done a recording for you and I'm just like what a gift so you know all sorts of people who are just going do you know what yes I can spare a few minutes of my time to record something to join live to do something because yeah this matters to me I think we need a kinder society and from a ticketing perspective, is that you've actually come up with a really brilliant concept in that regard as well. So if you're interested, it's teamkind.org is the website. But tickets start from £5, but you can buy a ticket for someone else, can't you? Do you want to explain yeah. a bit more about how that works? Yeah, so there's lots of pay it forward campaigns, aren't there? I mean, I saw a lovely one with a coffee shop where you could buy a coffee for someone else and put a post-it note on the board. And there's a great kind of tradition of people doing that kind of thing. And no one should not be able to come to this because they're having a challenging time at the moment so what's lovely is people can buy a ticket for themselves but they can also buy a ticket for somebody else it goes in the pot and then each friday we release the free tickets and what's so uplifting is i think it's now the majority of tickets that are going people are going for that option when they go in and buy their tickets so how lovely is that they're getting the feel-good factor of coming themselves but also they're giving someone else the chance to come so yeah there's no reason and and people shouldn't be shy to take a free ticket we all might need a free ticket for something at some point in our life mightn't we and it's a joy if you can afford to help someone else it's a joy to do so so yeah have if you need it have a free ticket of course you've got to come so across all the work that you've done with kind of kind fest aside is there any one thing in particular that stands out or that you're particularly proud of 
Hmm. <laughs> um, I think what I enjoy most is the chance to work with extraordinary people and bring them together in teams for projects and all the things that I've done from Kindfest through to the businesses I've worked in and the charities, it's when you create a great team. So I probably couldn't pick out one, but just, you know, there's that moment where you go, what a brilliant gang of people. And we're doing something that cumulatively is so much more than we could do on our own. So I love bringing together groups of people and pulling something off that we didn't know we could do. So Kindfest has to be up there from that point of view. And obviously this is the Women of the Future podcast. How did you first come across Pinky Lilani and the Women of the Future program and the team? And how did you become aware of all of that initiative too? I think when I was nominated for the Leading Lights and then I started to understand a whole network that existed and look for ways that I could do something. And Pinky was one of those people who said, well, Kindfest isn't a crazy idea. It's a really good idea. So, you know, if people like that say it's not stupid, you listen and you go, yeah. <laughs> and and um, how important for us to, isn't it that phrase about, you know, drop the lad, don't pull the ladder up behind you. So if people have helped you, then you've got a duty to help others. So networks like Women for the Future can help in that respect. And yeah, we all need a bit of encouragement. Right, so I have some quick-fire questions for you. Let's see, how these, <laughs> let's see how these go. What would you describe as your greatest success? My kids. How many children do you have? I've got two boys, 13 and 17. Although they're not, it's not really my success, it's their success. But, you know, I've got to claim a little bit of it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my kids. What, what do they think to what you're doing with Kindfest? Um, well, it's a great bargaining tool, isn't it? Because if I, they can often say, oh, mum, that's not very kind. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, I deserve that. That's fine. Um, I think they find it kind of surprising. And I think it's slightly proved that I kind of get technology a little bit. And yeah, I think actually Aidan, my oldest son, did put on Instagram that he was proud and that was oh, lovely. How lovely. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> nice because kindness comes so naturally to children, doesn't it? Because I've got a four year old mm. and she's just she does little things that you just think, oh my word, like that is lovely. And yeah. I think it's just kind of inherent within them that that's how they are. And I find that fascinating yeah. with children. I'm not quite sure when that starts to change yeah. with all the outside worldly influences. Well it's interesting I think there's a point at which you become embarrassed. They did some research mm. in Singapore on that where young, and it was with young people and they said, what stops you from doing something that's kind? And they said the fear of feeling embarrassed or getting really? it wrong. So it must be at some point when kids are growing up that they somehow think, mm, can I, am I allowed to do that? Is that the right thing to do? Mm. Am I afraid? So yeah, we're all born kind for sure. It's in our DNA. It's in, it's in the word for children, isn't it? Kinder, kindergarten, yes. kinds. Yeah. It's all the same root. It's in kindred and family and kin. It's part of how we come together in families and tribes. Um, it's, it, it's in every faith and every religion. What would you describe as your greatest failure? I think waiting till I was in my 40s to find my voice and be brave. Um, I would have been nicer to find it earlier. So, um, what do you think you did? Why did you Why did you wait that long? I I'm dyslexic, and so writing things. I was always afraid of writing things, but then I just thought, oh, 
doesn't matter if there's a mistake in it someone will either tell me or you know don't you know find your voice um, and also I think thinking that other people were better and not it wasn't going to be good enough so yeah expressing my opinion and finding my voice when you say finding your voice is that mm. just speaking out generally or just trying to be the version of you that you wouldn't know you were capable of um I think it's being authentic but also offering your opinion <laughs> a, a very interesting boss I worked with he was a very smart person he wasn't always the most kind but he did say something important which he said just have an effing opinion Hills and it wasn't <laughs> I didn't have an opinion it was that I was afraid to voice my opinion so whenever I'm feeling cautious about it that comes into my head and I think no just say what you think it could be wrong if so you'll learn that's fine you'll listen to people if they correct you or challenge you that's cool but just offer an opinion don't sit back so I wish I'd done that sooner in life. That's very good advice. I think also at the moment, people seem scared to say what they're thinking. Yeah. Almost, the whole cancel culture thing just yeah. makes everybody kind of go along as sheep. You know, I'm just going to agree with you rather than actually stand mm. out and have my own opinion on that matter, which seems yeah. is a loss of that's... voice again, isn't it? Exactly. And, and the fear that, you know, if I say this in so, on social media, that someone won't like it, that, you know, the kind of toxic response you might get, you know, you can see it in the kind of mm. bullying that goes on, which is awful. So I hope that people will still feel brave to say what they think with respect to others, of course. But, you know, we can disagree and be kind in disagreement. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. OK. <laughs> the mantra of the women of the future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Um, so I think the question I always ask myself in any difficult situation is what's the kind thing to do? And that pretty much will give me the answer. It's rooted in trying to understand what others are experiencing, to think through the implications of your actions and your behaviour, to respect difference and so forth. And collaboration. Well, crikey, we can't fix anything on our own, can we? we've learned that for sure that we're all connected and we can achieve extraordinary things if we find the right group of people to tackle them and that's what Kindfest is all about. Is there anything that scares you? Oh loads of things! <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly worrying um, so what but what really scares me actually not many things really terrify me except the dentists maybe um, <laughs> But lots of things worry me, you know, I'm one of those people who has the imposter syndrome and a little voice in my head going, oh, well, you know, it might not be right. Or, oh, what will people think? But I just try and sweep them aside and go for it anyway. What's left on your to-do list? Don't know yet. Some other crazy idea. <laughs> but, um... Let's not leave you waiting too long in the, <laughs> yeah, don't, the don't NHS leave me, Don't leave me in a waiting yeah. room. <laughs> I think also I personally wanted to say thank you for Kindfest because I know there must be such a logistical complexity to it that you're keeping from us as tent organisers regarding the technology and the PR and the media and setting up the website and all of this kind of stuff. It must just been from a germ of an idea to an absolute beast of a project. <laughs> so, oh, so thank well, you for that. Yeah, well, thank you. Everybody's doing a brilliant job it's turned i reckon it's like growing into one of those beautiful dragons that mm. kind of you know flying into the sky <laughs> thank you so much susie i really appreciate your time yeah nice to talk to you
you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.